Being an expert sucks. As a teacher of spiritual intelligence and emotional health, I get cornered into being the guy who has all the answers. I'd like to take this opportunity to make a confession. I don't. What I do have are convictions. I have theories. I have questions. I find myself looking around and I'm like, we can't stay here. Stop setting up your tent. We can't stay here. Through my journey, it's become evident that being a participant is no longer enough. It's time to become reformers. These are my confessions. To get deeper in this conversation, visit MikeMayashiro.com. All right, today, you guys, I want to tell you a story. But in order for you to appreciate the story, I need to go back a ways and give you some brief and important history. I promise it won't be boring and I'll keep it brief. All right. So I was working in a corporate job in Portland, Oregon when I was 19 when I heard God in English apprehend the voice in my head and tell me, Mike, what are you doing? Actually, here's the moment. I was looking at this woman. Had this thought, looked away from her. By the time I pulled from her to the screen in front of me, it was like time got broken up into four different sections. And by the time I looked at my screen, everything went silent and I was completely still and alone. I was like, what is happening? And in that silence, God took the voice I think in my head and my thought, I think the thoughts in my head with, and he said in English verbatim to me, what are you doing here, Mike? And I was like, I didn't say anything. I was just like, what is happening? Right? It was just kind of my posture. And he was like, you're not supposed to be here. I have something else for you. And then everything went back to normal. I was like, what just happened? And I freaked out. Long story short, I moved to Japan. <laughs> Quit my job, left everything behind, went to this place that I didn't know anyone and did a discipleship training school with youth with a mission. And while I was there, encountered Bethel a lot, um, experienced my first like person intentionally prophesying over me. I'd never seen this before, but this these students from this place called Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry were there. And I was like, this is like Harry Potter for Christians. Like, what are you talking about? And they called me out at a service and told me secrets about my relationship with God that nobody knew about. And I was like, what? And stuff I would, was actively talking to God about and like seeking out with him. And I was like, this might be real. This is crazy. I've never seen anything like this. The next week, we did a treasure hunt where we prayed for like for God to show us who we should be finding in public and what they needed to pray for or whatever, we found the guy I had on my list. I had never done anything like this. I didn't even believe that what I had on my list was legit. I thought I made this stuff up. And then there was a guy dressed exactly like I described. And I was like, <gasps> and that was really difficult for me to like get my mind around. And then I read a book called When Heaven Invades Earth by Bill Johnson while I was there as well. And I, I cried reading this book because I just couldn't believe there was someone in the world teaching this stuff. Um, and we went, I remember we were flying to South Korea when I started that book. I was on the flight and I started it and I was just crying on the plane. Just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. While I was in South Korea, we were in Jeju. Um, we had a night, we were doing a prophetic worship study, which I don't even know what that means. To this day, I'm like, what does that mean? But we like, cleared the room and people just walked around and prophesied over each other. And several people said great things to me. I was like, oh, this is really interesting. And I said great things to other people, I'm sure. But then this guy who was like the leader of the school I was at came up to me, this quirky British dude. He was like, hello, Mike. And I was like, hi, John. He's like... I have a word from God for you. And I was like, cool. And he's like, I saw you dancing in the woods with strong, powerful dance moves. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't roll my eyes hard enough at this. And at that point, my response was, how do you tell the difference between people who are actually hearing from God and the crazy people who just want to play? Like John over here, right? But he was watching me and he, like, and I had taken notes and everything else people had told me. So I wrote this thing down, okay, dancing in the woods, it's strong, powerful dance moves, super annoying. Anyway, fast forward, 
At the end of my trip in Japan, I went to Guam for 10 days to visit where I was born. Oh, I was born in Guam, right? Lived there until I was 10 and then moved. So I went back there for 10 days, just hung out, saw my old stomping ground, connected with all a bunch of old friends and whatever. It was awesome. I was bleach blonde back then. <laughs> anyway, one night I fell asleep because I had jet lag. So I was like, I was going to bed at like three in the morning. I fell asleep, just praying to the Lord. And I told him like, God, I want my life to be a window where you can express yourself, pursue your dreams. Um, I would be somebody on the planet who says yes to what you want. Right. And I fell asleep praying that. And that night I had a dream. I was standing outside of the tomb where Jesus was buried and he was still in there like for those three days. Right. And I was arguing with this woman. I was trying to get in there and she wouldn't let me in. This woman had authority and like, she was like the manager of the estate and she was like, um, finally in this back and forth, she was like, okay, fine, 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 fine. We'll get in there. We'll get his garments. You can have those, but you have to drop this. And his blood is no longer on my company's hands. I remember to this day verbatim what she said. And I shot back to her immediately. No, I want his dreams back from the dead. And then I woke up out of a dead sleep and I was like, what? And I army crawled across the room in the dark and scribbled down what I could from the dream. <laughs> and then fast forward a few weeks later, I'm back in Portland and I'm back to everything I'd left behind. And I'm terrified of the future. I'm like, what am I doing here? Like, oh, and I'd ask God when I was in Japan before I left to please tell me what to do next. Like, what was I supposed to be, do, be doing? Like, why was I here? I don't know. So I got back, was there for a couple weeks. I was spending the night at my old apartment where my, my buddies were still living. I woke up that morning, um, hit snooze on my phone, hit it a couple times. And then a one, one between snooze moment, I heard in that same way with my mind in English. I almost didn't catch it. It was so subtle, but I heard, this is not the cemetery I brought you to. And I was like, what does that mean? And I knew it was connected to that dream with the woman in front of Jesus' tomb. But I didn't know what else to do with that. I was like, what does that mean? And all I knew was I'm not supposed to stay in Portland. I was like, oh, I don't. And I went on a walk with a friend later that day. And I just told her what, I, what had happened and whatever. And I, I told her about Bethel. And she's like, why didn't you move to Reading? I was like, well, what? Whoa. Can we just like sober up for a second and like think about my life we're talking about? I'm not going to move to Reading, California. It's a freaking rest area. You don't live in Reading, right? Like. Anyway, um, so I pushed that aside. I didn't know anybody in Reading. I knew Reading was this tiny, like, podunk town. I didn't know much about Bethel. I was intrigued, obviously, and very, like, interested, but I wasn't going to live in Reading. Like, oh, no way. Um, so I delayed it for four months. And then four months later, I remember coming, and I would talk to God a lot in this time. I'd go into the woods and process with the Lord and just ask him to tell me anything else. Okay, you don't want me to stay here. That's fine. I can accept that. Where would you like me to go? Would you please give me some direction, some guidance? God, help me. Throw me a bone. He wouldn't say anything that entire time. He would not speak. And I was like, what is happening? This is crazy. And so I remember one day I came home from a long day of just hanging out and being busy and whatever. I was living with my parents at the time. Closed the door to my bedroom. And as soon as I closed the door, I became aware of a presence that was across the room from me standing in front of the window. Like the spirit of frustration. And I looked across the room and I said to this invisible thing, I know you're here. And as soon as I acknowledged that and I spoke it out, like something in me broke and I knew I couldn't stay here. Like I knew that thing was there and it was allowed to be because I was disobeying. And I kind of felt like Jonah a little bit, you know, like God told me to go do something and I wasn't going to do it. He didn't tell me to go to Bethel. Like he didn't give me those explicit instructions, but he did tell me to leave. I still hadn't left and I was just waiting for him to give me further instructions and apparently he wasn't going to. And I realized after that, my little friend came, I was like, oh crap, I have to do something. So a week and a half later, I was literally driving to Redding, California with everything that I owned to live here. And when I got to Redding, I remember I was driving over the mountains um, between Oregon and California and something just shifted over me and I just busted up laughing. And I laughed hysterically for like a good several minutes by myself in my car. I remember I was listening to Live Your Life by T.I. and Rihanna. <laughs> when that happened and I was laughing my head off, 
because I felt so like the closer I got to Reading, the further I got from Portland, the freer I felt. Like I just like these weights were falling off me. I just be, kept becoming lighter and lighter and happier and happier. And I was like, what is happening? This is so bizarre. It didn't make sense in my head, but the rest of me was responding to something happening. It was beautiful. And I was like, this is amazing. Um, Okay, fast forward, I got to Reading, was living here for a couple months, and I was on a walk in the woods, again, just processing with the Lord. I didn't have any friends back then in Reading, I didn't know anybody. And so I'm like walking by myself, talking to God, and I just started recalling everything that had happened up to that point, and just started getting really excited, and like grateful, and like impressed with what God had done up to this point. And I was like legitimately living by faith, you guys. Like I wasn't just asking, I wasn't asking anybody to give me money or to support me financially, but I was living by faith. I was like trusting in the Lord and making legitimate life-changing decisions based on how God was talking to me. I was like, I've never been this person. I've never known how to do this. This is incredible. Is my life for real? Like this is so much fun and beautiful. And I just, in that moment, I got struck. You guys, this is a weird moment, but I got struck by this. Something hit my body and I got like electricity was shooting through me and I was just so excited and it wasn't enough just to laugh it out. It wouldn't do it. There was something there. So I started running around and like jumping and then I did this weird kick twist thing in the air when I landed. I stood up and all I saw were trees everywhere and I heard this British voice in the back of my mind say, I see you dancing in the woods with strong, powerful dance moves. And I freaked out. I was like, are you kidding me? And I screamed at the sky and I ran and just like pointed and yelled because at this point I'm just absolutely crazy. And I said, you're crazy. You're crazy. How can you be like this? I couldn't believe it. John had told me the whole dance moves in the woods thing six months prior to that moment. And at that time in, in my life, I had zero interest in Reading. I had no idea what I was going to do when I came back. None of that stuff was on my radar. It was not in my plans to do any of this. And so it was just this shocking, eerie confirmation that God was designing this this whole time. And I didn't get to hear this or like see this until I actually stepped in obedience to follow him. Yeah, so this was just kind of surreal. I was like, I can't believe this. Like God has been doing this. I am taken care of. Like he's looking after me. This was on purpose. I didn't just like make a big mistake. I wasn't just hoping to make meaning in my life. Like God is actually doing this. I have no proof to anybody else that he was doing this except for my own secret whispers with him in the dark. Like that was what I had to go off of and a dream. And I changed my whole life and where I was and what I was doing. And he was with me and he was honoring it. And he was blessing me and taking care of me. It was beautiful and profound. And so anyway, lived in Reading. Had my adventure here, did ministry school, worked at Bethel, blah, blah, A lot of cool, amazing things happened. Got to be promoted and, like, um, I had so much great opportunity. And, like, I was traveling the world and speaking. I was prophesying. I was supernaturally gifted. I'm watching myself, like, step into things that I'd only read about in the histories of the Bible. I'm like, holy crap, I'm doing this stuff. This is crazy. I was like, this is amazing. So every once in a while, I would just check in. And I'm like, okay, Mike, remember, the reason you came to Reading, to Bethel, was... We were looking for Jesus' dreams back from the dead. Has that happened yet? And I would consider, is prophecy what I was sent here to find? And I'd consider it, open my consideration box, and like, no, that's not it. Was it healing? Is it supernatural? Is it miracles? Is it preaching the gospel? Is it becoming Christian famous? Is it these things? Is this what I was sent here to do? And it kept being a no. Like, no, that's not it. That's not it. That's not it. And then one day, my parents, who had started going to a spirit-filled church since my adventures at Bethel, um, I got invited by their pastor to come preach at their church. And I was like, I'm going to preach at my parents' church. This is crazy. So I went up there. Um, and during worship, this was, I had no idea what to expect. I was planning on preaching on being honest with God. Um, and so when that happened, um, it was in the middle of worship, right before I was about to get up and preach. Um, the memories of that dream and being in Guam and I'm arguing with this woman and want his dreams back from the dead, all that started playing 
out during worship. I was like, why is this happening right now? This is super distracting. Like, I'm not, and I wasn't looking for that. It just kind of randomly started like interrupting my experience. I was like, why is this coming up right now? And it was so persistent that finally I just stopped and I was like, God, what is this? Why is this happening right now? Is, are you saying something to me? Like, what's going on? And then so subtly, so quiet. Again, I could have missed it. In this still small voice, in my spirit, he says to me in English, I can tell you, like, interpreted it sounds this way. Um, I had been running all over the world. I had spent the last, what, five, six years maybe, like pursuing the results of that dream and there's just the consequences of pursuing that and like following him and like gone on all these things. My life was totally different. I'd become somebody else and my life was amazing. And I, and in that context, the Lord comes to me in this moment and he says to me, Mike, it's you. You're my dream back from the dead. And I was like... And just tears started streaming down my face. And it was like the veil had gotten pulled back and the, the mystery of this thing was revealed. And this was a moment, this tender, profound, epic moment between me and my father. He's like, you're it, dude. Like, you're what this has been about this whole time. Like, ah! I had it with me this whole time. I was like, I was what he, I was sent to find. Like, what in the world? And I realized when that happened, this wasn't just about me. This is us. Like, we are his dreams back from the dead. This isn't about ministry or miracles or, you know, the stuff we read about. This is about the sons and daughters of God. Like we are what all this drama is about. We are what the fuss is all about. Jesus died because of us for us. The drama of the cosmos is around who we are to God. Like it's this, everything is about Jesus and he's making it about us. I mean, just like, it was like wrecking. Like I, I had to like hustle to keep up with how do I actually function while this revelation is dumping into my life and changing everything that I knew and this like validation and this like reward. And you know, it was profound. And so I'm like weeping and then it's time for me to get up and preach. And I'm like, Oh my God. I'm like, I can't talk about being honest with the Lord. This thing is totally stealing the show. I had a plan. He had something else. I'm going to follow him. So I got up there and I just start kind of laying out this story and just kind of, and I hit with this whole, like you guys, this happened right now. And I mean, it was bizarre. I was crying throughout the whole time. So many people in the audience were like bawling with me. Like they were just being wrecked because there was something profound and heavenly being released in this space. And I was also kind of just surreal because I'm preaching at my parents' church. Like they'd spent the last however many months they've been at this church, like investing in relationship and getting to know these people and being very community oriented with this group of people they had such like respect and honor and value for their people and then their son is up here like you know releasing this thing and it was just so it was surreal i was like is this really i felt like a disney movie i was like is this happening right now this is like so bizarre like how redemptive and right this is and beautiful and profound and anyway i just like i did the best i could to keep up with what the lord was doing and like be faithful to that and like be honest and i think i did a great job in given the state that i was in um but afterward people were just like you know streaming to me just wanting to talk to me thank me affirm me ask me to pray for something whatever just there was such a a swarm of like recognition and appreciation and acknowledgement i just and i felt very like affirmed by this situation i was like wow i'm just super grateful to the lord for his faithfulness and what he had done and then at one moment, I, and my mom came over weeping, just like, you know, honoring me and just thanking me and like, telling me, tell me how proud she was. My dad doesn't say something like that to me, right? And I looked across the room in the back of the sanctuary where my dad was standing by the back door and he was looking at me, just observing the scene and just, and I could see on his face, 
he was just beaming with pride. Like, he was just so pleased for me. And, like, he doesn't really know, I don't think, how to say that stuff to me in English. I don't think he really, like, articulates that kind of stuff. But I looked at him, and I saw him, like, just delighting in the moment. And then he saw that I was looking at him, and he looked at me. And we just kind of had this moment. And I just, I nodded at him, and he nodded back. And it was just, like, this beautiful, like, fatherly affirming moment from my natural dad. Him getting to tell me something he doesn't know how to say. And his natural, his first language is Japanese. I don't speak Japanese, right? So, like, his heart language is, is a language I don't speak. And so, like, he doesn't, I'm not trying to make this super, like, complicated, but, like, he doesn't really say this kind of stuff to me. And if, even if it was in Japanese, I still don't know if he'd say it. But there was a moment there where he was just, I think, impressed and overcome with the undeniability of what had just taken place. And he was just acknowledging and honoring that. And it was just such a beautiful moment. And I was like, this is crazy. This is beautiful. Like God is faithful. If anything, if my life reflects anything that's true, it's that God is good and he's faithful and he does not give up and he's really good at what he does. Like, ugh. and so if we can say yes and follow him in that place. My gosh, it's shocking what he does. Like your life literally is like this beautiful canvas that he does like a masterpiece with. He's such an artist. He's so creative and multifaceted and brilliant and crazy and he's risky and he's dramatic and it's so beautiful to watch him work. I mean, I think, and this is not to be like a narcissistic statement, but I think my genuine like shock and awe of God's creativity and redemption in the world has been watching him do what he's doing in me. I'm just like how beautiful he's made me become. I was not this person. I cannot be this guy. I did not know how to get here. I didn't make this happen. I simply just fumbled my way doing the best that I knew how to say yes to what I was aware of that he was saying or doing. Um, I'm sure there's so many things along the way that I've completely missed that he's still saying to me that I still am not catching or whatever. And I'm, he's not measuring that. And so neither will I. But in all of that, he continues to be faithful and embrace me and be fit, like take care of that stuff. And I've become someone I'm proud of, someone I love, someone I'm impressed with, someone I'm grateful to be. My life is something that I've experienced as a gift. And all that is not pointing to my efforts and things that I've accomplished and how amazing I am. Me being amazing only points me to how like faithful and kind and creative and relentless he is. And his steadfast love really is better than life and he legitimately pulls through. It's beautiful. A confession here, you guys, is like I got a lot of, I get a lot of people come up to me, you know, whether it's on social media, in person, after I speak especially or whatever, and they just like celebrate who I am. They just honor and like affirm, like, you're amazing, I love what you're doing, thank you for blah blah. That happens on a regular basis, and I'm super grateful for that. And I know that's not normal or common, I think, but that is common in my life and I'm grateful for that. But the confession here is like, I actually don't take credit for those things and not because I'm just super pious and humble, but because I legitimately deep down in a very real place know those things are not because of me. Like the things that people value and celebrate and appreciate about me are things that God has done. Things he gave me, things he's accomplished, things that he didn't give up on, things that he was faithful in. And so when they affirm and celebrate who I am, I receive it. I'm grateful. I like just, I don't make it about anybody else. I'm like, cool, thank you. I appreciate you saying that, whatever. But at the end of the day, like I know underneath all this, I have a really sober, solid grip that all the praise and compliments and acknowledgement I get for the things that I've done or can be or whatever are because of the faithfulness of God in my life. It's not because of stuff that I've done. Obviously, I participated, but literally the grace to even respond to him and say yes is coming from his, like he's providing that for me. So it's like, it's shocking 
how little I actually get to like have credit for this. And yet he lo- he wants me to receive that. Like for me to say no and not receive it actually is violating my connection with him. He wants that to happen. He's such a different kind of person than we realize. He's a good dad and he wants his kids to get credit for stuff he does. It's so weird. It's so inappropriate, but it's who he is. It's what he's like. And so I've just gotten really good at receiving credit on behalf of God. <laughs> and then just knowing between us that I really know what's going on. And we enjoy this beautiful union and friendship and, you know, that is a safeguard to whatever kind of promotion and whatever kind of recognition I get to receive in this life. I feel pretty set up for success because I know this stuff isn't going to take me out because I have a really sober grip on why that's happening. You know what I mean? And that's not something I made happen. It's something that he's continued to father me in and I'm so grateful for that. And I think that we might call that humility. It's not something I made happen. I can't take credit for that either, but I'm grateful for his presence in my life. This, the fruit of the spirit produces that kind of like fear of the Lord, you know, just like this genuine reverence and like respect for who he is and what he deserves credit for, which includes my identity, my personhood, my history, my accomplishments, my feats, my influence, all the things. (sighs) He's beautiful. Listen, there's more where this came from. If you want to see how deep this rabbit hole goes, check out MikeMyashiro.com.